If you brought your Bible, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Let's take a moment and pray. And uh, let's just trust God for uh, His Word to come forth accurately and precisely tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank You. Thank You for Your presence, for being here with us and for being in us. Thank You for Your Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, who is our guide, who helps us in all circumstances and situations, leads us into all truth. And Lord, we just rest upon You, rely upon You, and I pray that each person would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you tonight. Thank you for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Matthew 16, we want to begin reading over here down in verse 13, but let me just preface this. This is the second part in a new series we began called The Church, all right? And I kind of need to preface because we had a couple weeks off where we had different services and a guest minister and Pastor Mickey ministering. And, and, uh, and so we want to catch everyone up to speed. If you missed the first part of this, of course, best case scenario, you already went to the website and listened to that, all right? Worst case, you're going to do it tomorrow, all right? In absolutely no case, will you skip it? <laughs> Amen. I just don't want you to think we do all this teaching and studying and praying uh, for nothing. All right, so I want to encourage everybody to get caught up and get uh, the things that have preceded what we're going to say here tonight. All right, Matthew 16 and verse 13, 16, 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said... Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but... My Father who is in heaven, and I say to you that you are Peter. Why would he say you are Peter? <laughs> well, he's speaking to the uh, he, he's speaking to the definition of his name, which means rock. Technically, it means a piece of rock. All right, and on this rock. Now that word rock there is a different word. One is if you want the Greek words, one is Petros, one is Petra. Okay, one is a piece of rock, one is a massive rock. Peter's the piece of rock, but then he he goes on to say, and on this rock, in other words, this massive rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And so Jesus bringing all this discussion about who he is and about Peter and his great revelation that he received right there back to this point that Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. Now, I want to say some of what I said before without going back in too much detail. Um, But when Jesus said that he was going to build his church, that wasn't a word that meant to them what it means to us, okay? There was no church in the sense that we know it, the body of Christ. The church age had not yet begun. 
They were still living under the dispensation of the law, okay, the law of Moses. The church age was something they knew zero about. When Jesus says, I will build my church, again, what does that mean? That's a word that simply meant an assembly or a gathering. Literally now it translates, I will build my called out ones. The ones who were called out, but we put those together. God calls people out of the world of darkness, of sin and death together. He calls us into light, but he calls us to gather together and be what he refers to now as the church. Amen. Okay, now with that understanding, uh, we want to we we continue on and go a little bit further. This concept of the church was new to them. Not that the word church was brand new. It just wasn't used like we know it today. Okay, but the whole idea is when Jesus said church, they didn't stop and freak out and say, what's, what's church? I've never heard that word. They had heard that word. It just didn't carry the same weight that it does us today. They had gatherings where people came together and assembled as well. And that's simply what they took that as. But when he's bringing this, uh, this subject up, he said, I will build my church. I am gathering some folks together. I'm calling people out and bringing them together. And that's the mindset that we need to have when we talk about the church today. There, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's, it's all right. There, there can be too much of an emphasis on the church being an individual thing. Whereas, of course, anyone who accepts the Lord is a part of the church. That's true, but the emphasis in church is together, is a gathering, is an assembly. The emphasis is not, I am the church on an island all by myself. Even though you could make a case and say, yes, I am the church when I'm here, when I'm alone, when I'm there. But the emphasis is on togetherness, is on assembling, okay? So that's the mindset we need to have. We talked to you already a little bit about the, what we might refer to as the universal church, how it's made up of all believers in heaven and on earth, all around the globe, no matter what the denomination they're involved with, no matter uh, many, many different separate groups that man creates, but in reality, we're all one church if we've been saved, okay? If we've received the Lord, we are one church. Um, okay, now, although all born-again people are a part of the universal church, each member should also identify with a local church, okay? And we showed you universal church from the scriptures last time. Let me show you a few scriptures in, in the book of Acts. Uh, Acts chapter 11 is where we'll start. Uh, we we want to see that God moves and identifies us both ways. Okay? There can be emphasis placed, and there is by some, that takes away from the emphasis the Bible puts on the local church. What is the local church? Simply 
a gathering, an assembly of believers that God calls together in a particular location. All right? Any person who receives the Lord Jesus is a part of the church, the universal church, but all believers are supposed to be connected to and they're to gather in smaller groups called the local church. All right? Amen. First, you, th- you think about it anyway. How can, how can we gather universally anyway? How can we assemble with all believers? Well, I think the only time that's going to fully happen is in heaven. You know, once we're all gathered up yonder, right? We will have a great assembly and we will have a massive meeting. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have church. <laughs> we're going to have some, we're going to have a time together. That's going to be everybody. But how can we do that now? Well, that's not really possible. Okay. In Acts chapter 11 and verse 22, 11:22, then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. Notice that that terminology, the church in Jerusalem. It specifies not just to the church, but the church in Jerusalem. It was a local assembly of believers. Okay, I realize this might be uh, somewhat uh, simple and understood, but it needs to be clarified, especially in our day when some, ha- when some take away from and really diminish the value and importance of the local church. And I want you to know what we're involved with here, and many, many others are, is absolutely the will of God and one of the main ways that He moves in the earth today. Okay? In Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13 and verse 1, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Now I'm not reading these whole verses to get really the subject matter uh, that was under discussion there, but simply wanting to point out, it speaks of here, the church that was at Antioch. What church is that? Is that the entire body of Christ in those days? No, it was a local body of believers. And the Lord, by His Spirit, inspired Luke, and inspired, uh, Luke is the writer of the book of Acts, but inspired these words to point out that He recognizes local assemblies, local groups. God acknowledges that. So, so, is it really necessary that we, we hear this? Uh, again, I want to say, and this may not even be affecting many of us, but it is, there are thoughts today that would try to dissuade people from being involved with what is organized or being involved with any particular group. Some people just feel they feel more spiritual if they float. And they, well, you know, you know, I'm a member of the body of Christ, and so never is there a... Uh, connection or roots put down in one place. They just kind of have a mindset where I just want to be involved with everyone and do everything. That's not correct. That, that, that's not the way that the Lord would lead a person. Say, I just feel like the Lord is leading me that way. I, you feel wrong. Huh? Can, can we say that? So, well, well, I just believe. Well, why do you believe that? 
I just believe that we're not supposed to be limited to one church. Well, why would you believe that? Isn't it a good idea at times to ask ourselves why we believe what we believe? <laughs> I think it's a good practice for all of us. All right, even if it's, so I've believed this for 50 years. Doesn't make it true. <laughs> right, we should analyze and see, is God involved in particular locations? Local groups? Absolutely. Now look at, uh, look at chapter 14. Chapter 14 and verse 23. So when they had appointed elders in every church... What did they do? They appointed elders in every church. In other words, there were a bunch of them. There were quite a few churches. Were they all a part of the church? Yes, but that doesn't take away from establishing um, organization and obviously a structure of authority there to where God would move individually in particular locations and certain churches in addition to the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. And so th- these, are, th- these are one of the things, of course, what we know this is, uh, you can see from this that uh, with today's mediums of radio and television, internet and so forth, it's not an ideal situation for someone to get all their spiritual nourishment from TV. And I is on. So I only say that to say... Uh, I wouldn't, take, I wouldn't try to take away from that medium. I believe it's powerful and can reach people. And our program does and, and will continue. And many others are reaching people that way. But it's not the ideal situation when a person gets all their spiritual nourishment from watching television or through the Internet or something like that. Again, can it help? Yes, it should be temporary, though, until a person has an understanding that, there need to be, that they need to be a part of a local church. Everyone should be a part of the church, and everyone should be a part of a local church. Amen. Amen. I'm reminded of that uh, a scripture we used recently for our offering over in uh, 2 Corinthians. No, yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Some of you might remember when we shared this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it wasn't even my point at the time, but jumped out at me as we were uh, looking at it. It said in verse 5, 2 Corinthians 8, 5, And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Notice two things. First, they gave themselves to the Lord, and then the Apostle Paul writing here, he said, and they gave themselves to us. So there was more in those people's lives, and he was commending them, more in their lives than simply a commitment to God. And our commitment to God should be first and foremost. But then also, there should be in every believer a commitment to someone else. Say, you mean like my spouse? No, that's a different kind of commitment. (laughs) There should be commitment there too. But I'm talking about a commitment concerning the kingdom of God and God's will and his purposes in the earth 
we are to commit to those whom God would connect us with. And there's no one God's leaving out of this. So he's not, say, well, I don't, I don't know if the Lord's connecting me with anyone. He hasn't left you out of this. Don't feel bad. He will connect every one of us with someone else. And if you're, if you're really hard to get along with, uh, <laughs> that can be a problem. Because God's will is that we connect with other people. Is that we have relationships. And some of these are friendships and so forth. But some of them are ministerial relationships. In other words, the purpose of that connection is for the gospel to, be, to go forth and be advanced. It's, listen, that's the reason why many of us know each other. Now, now we like each other, hopefully, I mean, most of us, uh, we like each other and enjoy fellowship. We're family, but one of the reasons that I know you and you know me is for God's purposes to be advanced in the earth. He brought us together so we could get something done that we couldn't do alone, we couldn't do apart. And if we have, if we neglect that aspect of our relationship with God, I think we're missing something really important. Say amen. amen. Verse, uh, let's see, verse 27, just write down a few verses. Now when they had come and gathered the church together, notice that language, when they had come and gathered the church together, what does that tell me? That people are the church when they're not together. But still, the very nature of what we're called to is to gather together. I'm not saying at all, and I believe this is what the Scripture is telling us, that when you go home, you're not the church anymore because you're not gathered. You're not assembled. No, you are still the church. You are part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you were on an island and you were the only one there, okay? But the intention, though, is that we get together and so we're the church when we leave, but we leave so that we can, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but, we, but the, the, the inherent nature of what we're involved with is, again, gathering. Okay, now let's think about this. Matthew 16, you don't need to turn back there, but Jesus said, I will build my church. This gives me and shows me what is important to the master. What Jesus is involved with today is building his church. If that is what, now say, well, what do you mean? Universal church or, or local church? Yes. <laughs> the universal church is built through local churches being built up. Say, but aren't there some places in the world where they don't have churches and so forth? Well, listen. Don't get in your mindset, again, that the church is not a building. There are places where the gospel is being, you know, people are plowing. And there's ra crazy, radical things happening. Not crazy is probably not the best word, but great stuff happening. And people are gathering wherever they can. Underground, because it's illegal in you know, different parts of the world. But the purposes of God are still coming into pass. But we have an advantage here. At least right now, thank God, it's not against the law. 
uh, to serve God and to get together, and we have buildings and so forth that we can use. But uh, this is what Jesus is doing. He's building the church, the local church, the universal church, at the exact same time. Because I know that, and Jesus made this point, it should also be our main focus. If Jesus is at work building the church, then we should be at work building the church. It should be one of the primary purposes for our existence. And it can be, people can be too distracted with all the to-do of life. And there's a lot of stuff going on. People get distracted with worry and all kinds of things. But let's not lose our focus that we are here to build. We're a part of it. We're a result of someone else doing the job. But we are here to do what Jesus is doing and build the church. It's priority with Him. It should be priority with us. So you're talking about going to church. Well, that's a part of it, but it's, our vision needs to be bigger than going to church. Huh? I mean, if that's all we're still tripping up over is just going to church, well, we've got a little growing to do. Our vision needs to be bigger than, I'm just trying to discipline myself to go to church. Wow. Is it that hard? I mean, I don't mean to put you down if you're really going through it. We got, you know, counsel and stuff. But I'm kind of thinking going to church shouldn't be that big a hurdle. I guess we realize once we think about it that with some, that's where they're at. But if we're going to be used of God, if we're going anywhere, if we're growing anywhere, we've got to get beyond just, I'm going to go, plop. And we're seeking God, say, what can I do to build this thing? What is my part in building this church? Because that's what Jesus is thinking about. That's what he said, I will build. How is he going to build? He doesn't do it directly. He delegates. He empowers. He gives authority. He gives wisdom. He gives strength. So you and I can do his bidding. And that's people say, I want to be used of God. What does he want to use me to do? Build the church. That's what he's involved with. And that's how he's moving through us. Amen. Say, don't you believe in like ministries and stuff that are what might be called parachurch? Uh, sure, but it's all to the end result of building the church. Amen. And so, if I'm going to walk with the Lord, I've got to be interested in what He's interested in. If Jesus said, I will build my church, if I'm not interested in building His church, I'm not really having such great fellowship with Him. If I say, you know, the Lord Jesus and I, we are tight. We are just like that. We walk together and we talk every day. But yet he's building the church and you're building something else, your own kingdom or whatever. I don't know. When we talk about seeking first the kingdom of God, we all know Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. What does that mean? Well, it's definitely connected to what God's interested in. If I'm really seeking first the kingdom of God, it means that I'm making important to me what is important to Him. 
And I'm telling you, out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus and the Word of God, that the church is important to him. He is building his church. Take a look over to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 14. I'm still on this point of what is Jesus building. I want to just emphasize this sub-point, if you will, of what's important to him needs to be important to us. Now, that's really in everything, but we know this is one of the main things that he is doing in the earth today. Luke chapter 14, and let's look down here in verse 16. Then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask that you have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I married a wife. I can't come either. (laughs) So that servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house being what? Angry. Said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed, the lame and the blind. And, and the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded. There's still room and so forth. And he said, go out and get some more and bring them in here. Uh, this is the main point, though. Does this relate to anyone today? I think it absolutely does that people can have a kind of ho-hum type of attitude. I'll get to it if I have time, if there's nothing else in the way, towards what God is doing. And I'm telling you, the Lord's not happy with that. That doesn't put a smile on His face. But we have this mindset too often in our country because, bless God, we're free. You know, we vote. We got to say so. We've got rights. And we go, you know, and we're busy. You know, we got schedules, digital ones. We got places to go, people to see. But listen, if we're saved, if we call Jesus Lord, we need to make whatever He says at any time of the day, at any point in our lives, more important than everything else that we have on our agenda. God's business is more important. Let me let me say it in real clear terms. I'm bringing bringing us back to what we're talking about here. The church is more important than, I lost my place, than your land, than your oxen, than your wife, than whatever else is going on. The church is more important than your job. I'm just going to tell you like it is, okay? I'm not seeking any opinions. (laughs) <laughs> this is not Q&A. This is not feedback. I'm just, the Lord has authorized me. And uh, the, the church is more important than your hobby. It's more important than the lawn. 
more important than golf or baseball or a football game or NFL on Sundays. More important than families in town. (laughs) More important than whatever inconvenience or excuse we come up with. Say, Pastor, we're here. I know, but who else am I going to talk to? <laughs> Spread the word. I'm not, I'm not really rebuking, but we just need to understand. This is the mindset that we must have concerning the things of God. His business is more important than everything. And when we say, oh, you know, I'm busy and... You know, I've got this going. Well, I'm not going to throw rocks at you. We're not supposed to condemn each other. But a question we should all ask ourselves between us and the Lord is, is this okay with Him? Is it okay with Him, my priorities? The system I've got going in my life where certain things I've got to do. You know, I know people who their coffee is more important and everything. <laughs> I can't do anything if I don't have my coffee. <laughs> really? Some of it might be a Coke. <laughs> Some of it might be something else. It's just, these things are just, well, I can't even do anything if I don't have this. I've got to have that or I can't. <laughs> really? Well, again, who's throwing stones at who? Hopefully none of us are throwing stones at anybody, but we're looking inside and saying, do I value the kingdom of God? Do I value the church above everything else in my life? Understand that everything we're doing in our lives, natural stuff, is temporary. Say, but I've got to get my my lawn mowed. (laughs) Your lawn is temporary. You might have an eternal lawn that will not need mode. <laughs> but everything we're involved with, our jobs, and I'm not saying that the Lord didn't provide a job or lead you to a job. I'm not saying it's not important, but it, it is still temporary. Everything we're doing. But there are some things that we can be involved with that are eternal, and I know for certain that one of those things is the church. It will last forever. And it's what God says is most important. It's what Jesus is building. And so if I'm walking with the Lord, I've got to make important what He says is important. Amen. It's something else that's interesting about what Jesus said. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or of Hades, of hell, shall not prevail against it. What the Lord Jesus is building is something that hell cannot overcome there is an implication there that hell does overcome some things otherwise you wouldn't make a statement like that that says it can't overcome this if it automatically couldn't overcome anything i say well the devil can't do anything unless you know unless god lets them or uh, uh, no 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 some things hell overcomes one thing it does not overcome is the church that the Lord Jesus is building. It makes a whole lot of sense to me to be involved with something that can't fail. 
It makes a whole lot of sense. I don't know about you, but I really like to win. <laughs> I just, I like to be on the winning side. You know, I know sometimes today in sports, and especially with kids, you know, it, they'll tell them it's not about winning or losing. <laughs> it's about how you play the game. Whatever. <laughs> it's not about winning or losing. It's about winning. <laughs> And how you place the blame. <laughs> All right, I threw that in there. That's not not gospel. But understand this. Uh, God likes to win too. <laughs> and thank God we're on his side. We're on the victory side. We're not trying to conquer each other. But we are conquering and overcoming the devil through what Jesus has already done in defeating him. And the church is something that hell cannot overcome our lives should be wrapped up in something that cannot lose that just makes good sense say i've struggled and i failed at this and i failed at that get involved with the church because it can't fail it cannot fail it cannot be overcome and knowing this by the way the devil has a bible i don't think he respects it but the devil can read this. The devil knows that the church cannot be overcome, cannot fail. If you were the devil, what would you do? <laughs> I tell you what I would do. I would try to divide it. I would do everything in my power to keep people away from it. What do you mean? Well, obviously, first, from accepting Jesus and becoming the church. But secondly, I would try to keep people from connecting. In other words, being the church or gathering. I would do everything in my power to distract, to give up, make other things of greater importance, to keep the church from doing what it is by its inherent nature, assembling together because you and I alone can only do so much and very little but when we come together that's why we're called a church then we become very dangerous to the kingdom of darkness and so Satan as one of his main drives and motives is trying to keep people away from the rest of us when we get together, again, that's when we become very, very powerful and hell cannot overcome us. Overcome what? Overcome the gathering. Hell cannot overcome the assembly of saved people. Now think about it. Again, we know that, the ch that we are a part of the church when we're alone. But that can't be what this is referring to. Have you ever seen a Christian overcome by the devil? I have. But I'm telling you what. When we come together, when we assemble, Satan can't do anything about that. There is such a dynamic force and power that hell cannot overcome. So again, the main goal would be keep them apart. 
Keep them isolated. Keep them alone. Keep them from coming together and do, and living their lives for a single purpose. Keep them from focusing on one particular mission. Keep them busy doing their own stuff where they're vulnerable and easily attacked. And even when they do things right, they can only do so much. Everybody hear where I'm coming from today? The devil wants to work nonstop to divide people. I wonder how many believers in our valley do not assemble. In other words, they are not a, they're a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ because they've been saved. They've been born again. But they're not a part of a local work that God is doing. I wonder how many. How many in here just by lifting up your hand, can think of at least one person that lives in our area, okay, and unless you're not from our area, and maybe your own area, uh, you can think of one person that is a genuine believer, but they do not go to church. They do not participate. They're not connected to a local church. Lift your hand. How many could lift another hand? How many could lift a foot? <laughs> For the third person, you know. And maybe the fourth person. <laughs> say, can I lift my toes? Yep. That's amazing, though. I mean, I, without examining every person, I think everyone had a hand up. What is that doing? It is a strategy of the devil to keep that person you know from God's best. And to keep the body of Christ at large from being less influential. Listen, we carry great power when we gather. Numbers do something. Now, not numbers of division, but numbers of unity. But numbers of... Think about it. Every Bible-believing church in our area could probably double just like that. And think of the influx of influence in our world. Because, the, because you got more people. I mean, there's a ton of things we could say about that. But you got more people hearing the word and putting it into practice and being lifted up and strengthened. You've got more financial resources with greater numbers to get the job done and to reach the world. There's just so much power. And I'm telling you, it is a tool of the devil. And people are separated for all kinds of reasons, disillusionment and offense and di- many different things. We could, we could examine why people are in those conditions. But I'm telling you, ultimately, the main thing is it's the devil. Because he knows he cannot overcome the church. And he wants to keep us from gathering, keep us from assembling together and becoming And being really who we are. Amen. Very, very powerful. Two ditches. I'll finish up with this tonight. But two ditches that I can see uh, that are the potential for us to get get into. One is the overemphasis, like I've already shared, the overemphasis of the individual aspect of our relationship with God. And then we miss the gathering part. The other ditch is just the other side. It's the, it's the side where a person's relationship with God 
is limited to the times when the body gets together. That means when they're alone, they just kind of act like a heathen. In other words, they're not having an active relationship with God and, and walking with Him daily. But they do when they come to church. And that person is also very limited in their experience and walk with God. We need both. That means we're saved when we're here and we're saved when we're out there. That means we worship God when we're here and we worship God when we're out there. You know what I'm talking about? It's not at church that's the only time we ever crack the Bible. Okay? We need to have a balance in both of these and avoid both ditches, both extremes, because God's doing something special in the earth today, and He's doing it through the local church. Hebrews 10.25, many of you know that scripture, but it tells, it says, uh, Paul wrote, well, I believe it's Paul, most people believe Paul wrote Hebrews, uh, he said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. In other words, that what that literally means as the habit of some is becoming. He was warning them. He said, listen, you guys, you got to make sure and, and keep getting together. Don't think it's all about you and the Lord. He said the habit of some in their day, the habit of some was to stay home and stop going to church. He said, you got to watch out. Don't do that. And she said, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Well, if they could see the day approaching, the day of the Lord approaching from back then, I think it's pretty important that we go to church today. Again, not that that's the epitome of our Christianity, going to church, plop. I went to church. Let's get involved in building the church. Amen. Amen. I'm going to give you some, of the, some more along these lines, but let it already be the cry of your heart and the desire of your walk with, with the Lord that you don't just want to simply take up space and breathe the air and, and just be in the kingdom and be satisfied with that. Be involved with building the church. Amen. Because that is what Satan can't touch. Amen. But he, said, he went on to say, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, we can see that one of the reasons we're to get together is for each other. You and I need each other. And we're to be exhorting, encouraging, lifting up each other. And I don't think that's all supposed to be done via email. Thank God for email. But I, I think there's something, something important about flesh. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Like the little kid who was, I heard about that was, there was a storm one night. He was in bed and he was, little Jimmy was uh, was scared and he was frightened. And uh, his parent, uh, his his dad came up there and, and said, hey, what's, well, you know, what's the matter? He was, you know, could see he was very scared. And he said, I'm just, I'm scared and it's dark and the storm outside. And he said, well, the Lord is with you. The Lord's always with you. And he said, I, I know that, but sometimes I, you just need someone with skin. <laughs> and, uh, and there's something about our, the way that God created us. We need people with skin. <laughs> amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you tonight for your, your presence. Thank you for your divine love and power. We believe you're doing a great and mighty thing in our midst. Lord, you're taking us up, taking us higher. That's one of many local assemblies. Lord, we believe you're doing a supernatural work in this place. You're doing it in all of our hearts and in our lives. 
thank you for, uh, for directing us, for exhorting us, for helping us to take our place, rise up and be who we are, rise up and be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, impenetrable by the fiery darts of the wicked one. Lord, a force to be reckoned with. Lord, we go forth in your name and thank you for your power, your mighty spirit that works through us. We give you all the glory, all the praise for the great things that you are doing. Lord, thank you for every heart tonight, every life, every spirit, soul, and body. Lord, we've all been purchased, been redeemed by the blood. Thank you for making provision for every single person. Father, I do pray for those who've come tonight. There may be some who've never been saved. They're not a part of the church.